You're listening to KJ Recaps. Hi there, you are back with KJ Recaps. I am Jess. I am Kim. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Jess. I am well. What an episode this week. What an episode. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this one. It, I think they did a great job for for episode seven of Westworld, really, you know, giving us some meat behind the conspiracy theories and giving us something to play with. And they're not going to reveal everything at the very end, which I think is a great play, um, but gives us a lot to talk about in this recap. Yeah, definitely. It was a nice um, payoff for all of the conspiracy theories that have been circulating. And I am 100% like the Kim, you idiot, because not only did I not come up with this um, theory of Bernard as host, I was also like presented it blatantly in my face. And I was like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Um. Of course, in retrospect, everything seems very, uh, very obvious now. But in any case, you're right. It was nice that we got a really big payoff. They didn't wait for the season finale. So I can only imagine what kind of reveals we'll still have in store in the last three episodes. But I mean, this was uh, this was a great one. And even um, I was looking on Reddit and on Twitter after the episode aired. And even people who were convinced that this theory was correct um, we're still having some like holy shit moments in the reveal of this one. So, uh, um, well done, Westworld. Absolutely, I it was really fun to live tweet it uh, as it was happening in the Eastern time. Uh, just everybody's reactions were amazing, and uh, as we'll get into this, I really found that they started giving it away very early on in the episode. You know, like mm-hmm. if you had that filter on. Then him, his lack of concern as to where Elsie was was really strange. You know, there was just some things that started happening very quickly um, that it was like, wow, this is really feeding the theory. Oh, okay. Well, you're actually going to explain that that's the like the case by the end of the episode. So never mind. Uh, well, yeah, we all now know. So maybe off the top. So do you think there are other people that we don't know are hosts that we think are humans? Yes. I mean, ultimately, what has been presented to us in this episode is, in addition to confirmation of this very popular fan theory that Bernard is, in fact, a host, is that ultimately it it allows the show to really kind of present anyone as a host going forward. Like they have told us outright that nothing is as it seems and even the camera is not a reliable storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. you know, so when we do get the big reveal for Bernard and we get that great, you know, what door line, even the camera as it pans, you know, is showing no door and then is showing a door, right? So yeah. like from Bernard's perspective in a past episode when Ford appeared to have like popped out of nowhere, I I paused and rewound to see if there was something that I missed behind there. And there was nothing. It was just a wall. But that was being presented from Bernard's perspective. So nothing is as it seems and anyone could be a host at this point. Exactly. I mean, they're really playing with um, perception and perspective and who you're seeing. It depends on the lens that you're seeing it. So we saw way back, Dolores saw her dad's photo 
and it looks like nothing to her. But of course, at that point, we were seeing what Peter Abernathy was seeing, right? Which is this right. picture in Times Square. And we don't know what Dolores saw, which was a great cover up. But of course, we now know that Bernard is seeing things that don't make sense. And we saw Bernard's perspective in the picture with Arnold, but we didn't know that. So, yeah, um, yes. definitely. I should, before we move on from that quick note, I'll just add a little section under errors and omissions. Intro that... music for errors and omissions. I was going to bring this up as well. So we had a note from Jamie who submitted something to our website, which was really great. Uh, we had a couple of submissions, actually. So just a quick plug for that before the errors and omissions section is that it's kjrecaps.com slash feedback. Um, so, yes, Kim, what did Jamie say as her? <laughs> so Jamie very <laughs> rightly pointed out that when I said with, like, full conviction – um, and like built a whole theory around this when I said that like um, the photograph could not be seen out of the dirt. It was totally covered. And Peter Abernathy just like knew exactly where to look and just like Dolores knew where to look when he was looking for the gun. So did someone like Arnold's voice tell him that he should dig there or whatever? And I swear to God, I watched this scene multiple times and I didn't see it. Um, so Jamie very rightly pointed out that there is, in fact, a section of the photo that's peeking out from underneath the dirt. Um, so there goes my theory. But uh, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out, Jamie. We need the uh, we need the um, eagle eyed listeners to point out when we get stuff wrong, because there's a lot to catch and there's a lot of like um, nuance that is hard to get in in even a couple of viewings of the show. So by yes. all means, if we miss anything, if we get it wrong, let us know and we will um, add it to the arrows and omissions section. Absolutely. Um, it's a community experience coming up with theories with this <laughs> show for sure. Uh, and maybe I can just jump in with uh, Raymond's feedback as well, just because we were touching on it right before we jumped into the errors and emissions section. We He also was sent us a note about his thoughts on the show and the hidden door piece as to whether or not what we'd seen last week was reliable. And he, like us, had said, I thought it was camera trickery last week to explain how Ford just appears, which... And he said, nothing more than you typically see in horror movies. Exactly, right? Like that yeah. kind of jump scare piece. Um, and then he says at the end, I wonder if Ford is going to make a host version of Teresa. So this was, I mean, there's a host being made in that room right now. Yes. Um, I rewatched this scene, especially a couple of times. Um, I mean, you can't tell. There's no distinguishing features. It's literally getting like tendons and muscles put right. on it. It's like being 3d printed yeah so there's no form there's no skin there's no shape you can't even distinguish like man or woman really um so you can't tell and then bernard also mentions it will take longer than it takes at the mesa lab the big one um but yeah i mean otherwise Teresa's missing is gonna be or her disappearance is gonna be suspicious uh, agreed for sure Question. yes i think i think that that theory is bang on definitely um and especially the shot where it has in the foreground the um the new host being yeah. rendered and in the background bernard is killing colin which was like a great shot and yet 
like a hard one to watch, even though it wasn't gratuitous or anything. Certainly we've seen more violence on this show than that one scene. But this is the first, I think, live death that we've seen. You know, it wasn't a host who died. Um, And it was just, you know, the look on Cullen's face when Bernard comes towards her, like it's kind of heart wrenching. But yeah, I do think that the positioning of the the shot was deliberate with the, um, the new host being created in the foreground. And you're right, Bernard says that um, it takes longer to render a host using this process. Um, It would probably take a couple of days compared to what I assume would be a much shorter period in the lab. Um, But this host is already well underway. Yes, that's what I was thinking too, yeah. Yeah, it definitely speaks to uh, a real level of premeditation if that is in fact Teresa being recreated in host form. Excellent point. Well, maybe we should jump into our scene-by-scene recap. And I know this now all is completely tied together as we are able, with the benefit of knowing the truth about Bernard, to review the whole episode. So we can kind of go through and see what other things struck us. I mean, in addition to that storyline, there's a lot that happened with Maeve and with William and Dolores. Like, it was a... That was a packed hour. Um... Yeah. to pay off on a lot of storylines. So let us jump in. For sure. Um, so we start with Bernard, who is woken by his son in the hospital. Um, so he reads him a little excerpt of Alice in Wonderland, which, of course, we know is a book that in a past episode he had given to Dolores, um, and reads another pretty poignant excerpt from the book, which is, if I had a world of of my own, nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. So um, I definitely think these like excerpts from Alice in Wonderland are, you know, speaking to um, uh, some foreshadowing in the show for sure. Uh, yeah, and it, even William's piece about living in books and that the world feels like you're living in a storybook, like, absolutely. Yes. And as you pointed out on Twitter, and I, I think I've seen some others point out as well, that Dolores is definitely fashioned as an Alice through the looking glass, yes. right? Um, <laughs> blue dress and everything. Yeah, yeah, right down to the blonde hair and the blue dress. She is, uh, you know, definitely... Uh, in Upside Down World. Um, so his son suddenly becomes unresponsive and uh, Bernard awakes in his own bed in present day and then looks at this the picture of his son. So um, now knowing what we do about Bernard, do you think that his son and his wife are in fact a backstory that has been written for him? As Elsie had pointed out in a previous episode that the backstories are integral to the hosts to ground them. And, uh, you know, he said to his wife in his uh, video conference with her that um, his son is always on his mind. Or are you inclined to think that Bernard is, in fact, a replica of Arnold and these were living people that he has been given memories of? Yeah, I'm still on Camp B. Uh, on this they you know for example even just the way they were coyly didn't show you even the plans in the last scene um you know you see that it's the plan that colin's going through when she's first in that room she sees that it's the plan for robert the little boy and she sees the plan for dolores but you never see the name in the corner of the drawing of bernard yes um and then that's got to be intentional and then even like the stuff like the skype visit um 
like the call with his his wife like I feel like that maybe was Arnold so yes I think you know I think we've I think he's Arnold and he's fashioned after Arnold and that this is an Arnold storyline that Bernard has been given yeah I'm inclined to agree I definitely think there were more hints in this episode already that Arnold uh Sorry, Bernard is in fact Arnold or a replica of him. I do think it's interesting, though, that if he is Arnold, he has no memory of anything that Arnold did. Uh, yes. He has no memory of Ford. Yeah. He has no memory of, you know, creating the park or the hosts or anything. He was given these very specific memories. So if they That's are right. real people, then they obviously rooted his backstory in truth, which, um, you know, maybe is more effective that way. Yeah, like Ford just created, you know, his partner up to a point and then didn't give him the other parts. Right. Um, yeah. Um. So, so, yeah, so do you think so too? I do, yes. So, like, there were a couple of things in this episode especially, and, of course, on the rewatch of this episode, I was looking for them specifically now that we know definitively that Bernard is, in fact, a host. But um first i mean the room that they go into under the cottage is definitely the same room that bernard has been meeting with uh dolores which i think really points to the fact that those meetings took place when he wasn't he when he was in fact arnold um then when cullen says you know is this what happened to arnold going out into the woods uh you you sent bernard to take him out into the woods and ford said bernard wasn't there in those days uh, which would imply to me that Bernard was created after the days of Arnold. And then yep. even just the line that Bernard said when he was um, talking to Colin that says, the longer I work here, the more I understand the hosts and yeah. the more confusing <laughs> yeah. the people become. Um, so when you're looking for those uh, those hints, I definitely found them to be there. They give them. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so Bernard is then questioning Hector, asking if he questions the nature of his reality, and Hector says no. Um, Bernard consults his tablet and sees that Hector has had a blacklisted exchange with a guest in the course of his narrative. I assume that this means that this was, like, an unscripted exchange? So I I read it, or took it as an exchange that could lead them, that introduces the outside world. Oh, I see. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Because it had words that he wouldn't recognize in context of, yeah. Um, Yes, because, of course, as Hector is telling him the story, uh, the guest told him that he wanted to cut off a piece of him and carry it home in his carry-on and, like, put it on his car or something like that. And so as he's speaking, the words that are, um, you know, having to do with the real world, like carry-on and car, they're, like, being, uh, like, flagged in the tablet yeah, exactly. that uh, that Bernard is monitoring. So that makes perfect sense. And uh, so just to be on the safe side, Bernard decides to give Hector a test uh, to ensure that he isn't questioning the nature of his reality. And he shows him uh, pictures of modern trains and cityscapes, etc. And Hector says the line that we have heard already from Dolores, which is, they don't look like anything to me. So... There were a few parts throughout this episode where they really set up the the, um, That's right. the hints that we would need to put the pieces together for Bernard. Yeah. And it's so interesting that Bernard has those pieces and yet is still a host, you know? So it's, 
Like, he knows what exactly what those means, and he knows that this code exists so that they can't recognize what things that they're not supposed to. And then he has the same programming. Yes. I don't know. So, it's just such a like crazy rabbit hole. For sure. And we were we were introduced in a later scene, which we'll talk about more when we get there, but when the whole presentation that Hale and Cullen make to Ford and Bernard, they have a man there who's like beating up on Clementine who has been programmed right. to read as human. Human. So, um, yeah, they're introducing elements even in this same episode. You're right. Uh, to explain to the viewer, if we haven't figured it out already, <laughs> that there, um, you know, there are clues to uh, Bernard's true nature. Absolutely. Um, um. Yeah, and then uh, Bernard is advised there's a priority request for Hector from management. Uh, that is we know what that is yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is not for a business meeting <laughs> um, and this is where Bernard asks the tech if he's seen Elsie uh, so the tech says that according to the system Elsie starts her leave today which is very convenient yes I mean I read that as according to the system as in someone internal has updated you know, the system messed with it yes yeah yeah, for sure. And this is, of course, a big clue, too, which um, you raised right away, which is like, why isn't Bernard more concerned about where Elsie is? <laughs> the last time he saw her, she was investigating this, like, um, sabotage alone in an abandoned theater. And then he's like, hey, you seen Elsie? <laughs> like. That's right. Um, so, so who... Like, any more thoughts on who has Elsie now? Um, I am inclined to think that whoever has Elsie is someone from the board end of things. Agreed. Yeah. So Because protecting that concept of, like, who's sending the information outside of the park. I mean, first of all, we know now. Um, and Ford wouldn't, doesn't seem to care. And he certainly wouldn't, like, be protecting the secret, right? Um, I don't think, I mean, who knows, but like, yeah, I'm saying, you know, like, it's like, it, she was, she was going after that satellite data and that it was coming from internal and then she's found something else and she said, oh shit. So we don't know what that thing that if you kept going through that data and maybe it's, it is different, but I think that um, whatever else he found is potentially tied to whatever this research project is that we have heard about throughout this episode. That is like the grander plan that the board has for this data that they were stealing. Um, right. So I'm not entirely sure, but I do feel strongly that it's not sort of the Ford side of this, you know, yes. battle between Ford and the board. It's the board side that <laughs> has. I, I don't think they've killed Elsie either, but they have taken her or subdued her in some way. Or maybe they're even bringing her into the fold. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe maybe she was grabbed, but... We certainly don't know that violence has been done to her, unlike Cullen, which was explicit. You're right. Exactly. Like, it could be they just grabbed her to keep her quiet and then something else happened, yes. but... They had to, like, yeah, they grabbed her to, know. like, stop her from saying anything further. I don't know. Um, and I can't remember if she was on the phone with Bernard at the time that no, she was No, she wasn't. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it might not have been actual violence that was done to her. Maybe they were like, here's here's what you need to know about what's actually going on or whatever. 
Uh, I don't know, but I don't think it's the last we've seen of Elsie. Agreed. Um, okay, so then we are with William and Dolores and Lawrence, who are on that train, and William is... This is like the beginning of uh, New William uh, in so many ways. So he is <laughs> playing cards with Lawrence. He seems very at ease, uh, but Dolores is less at ease. So Lawrence calls out the fact that she's not comfortable with him and that he did betray them. <clears throat> and he said it wasn't personal. He talks about what the federales are doing to these, what he says are starving farmers. They call it a war, but it's completely one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if he had the opportunity to screw them over again, he would. Um, and that they they talk a bit about why William is on the train. And William kind of says, well, this was my friend who really wanted to see what was at the end of this. And Lawrence points out, well, you're the one who's here. Right. Like, you know, maybe you have a bigger appetite for this, which I think was really um, interesting. And then that scene kind of ends with the discussion of Ghost Nation, that that's where they're entering. They bring down, batten down the hatches of the train and that they're not going to be able to get off until they're through that area because it's such a dangerous place. Right. Um, So on a quick side note, I don't know the extent to which it's relevant, if at all, but in episode two, when the man in black was saying to Lawrence, like, I know you, I know the tune that you whistle when you take a piss, um, but I never knew that you had a family and um, what a discovery or whatever. Um, He did mention in that scene that he and Lawrence in a past visit uh, had uh, hunted down members of the ghost nation i can't remember the exact context but they did say that they were like tracking the ghost nation so i'm not sure if that is uh relevant in any way i think it's i mean it's definitely like first of all they seem to be on the edges of the park right Mm -hmm. um lawrence says the only way to get through this part of the park is to be on that train uh because you can't if you do it on foot you're dead um, so I don't, doesn't, I don't know. They just feel like they're getting so far away from where everybody else goes. Right. That there's got to be very few people. Which is interesting to me though, then that if they were in fact in this area, um, they being Lawrence and the man in black, it was before the man in black had the maze from Kissy's scalp. And it was before he was on this, you know, Jersey journey to try to find the maze, um, I believe, right? So it just seems kind of crazy to me that he was like potentially so close to his destination and yet didn't even know that he was looking for it. And now... But would that be an accident? Or like, <clears throat> like obviously something is going to happen. So if if that's the case, the William is the man in black and we're in a timeline that's 30 years ago now. I mean, something is going to happen that kind of like destroys the man in black somehow, right? As a good guy, at least. Which I think is the fallout become... of his relationship with Dolores, I think. Yeah, and I we I think we read an article that's a really good... Like, there's something... Exactly. And it's like, well, what... And what is that being set up for, especially after this episode, my goodness, is how close he is becoming with Dolores mm-hmm. and how much he sees her... As a person, William has seen these people, these hosts as people since he arrived. Right. Like, but it is getting even when he really... when he says to Dolores, like, "I have a fiance, I have someone someone waiting for me at home, so I'll help you get to where you're going, but I can't stay." And I'm thinking to myself, like, "You can't stay because you have a fiance." 
because you clearly can't stay because this is a park and at some point you need to go back to the real world, right? Like it seemed like even in that conversation, it's like he's forgotten that this isn't real. He seems just so into it. And like, is Dolores, I mean, we, we don't know. There was, you know, is Logan right that Dolores has just been sent? And this is like, I mean, probably not because we've seen so much of Dolores's backstory, but William doesn't know that. Like this park is so intense and so, um, not detailed, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that how does he know to trust that Dolores is actually thinking these things or that's just what, you know, this is one of the storylines that she would have to try and bring over visitors who kind of have a hard time getting past the robots that these guys are. Anyway, I it's... He, A, is far more comfortable now that Logan's not there. So I think that's a big part of the power dynamic here, too. He's no longer, you know, <clears throat> having to be second fiddle to this, like, douchebag. Agreed, um, yeah. And B, he's now gotten some, like, experience in, you know, the rough and tumble world of the West. And C, he is, like, head over heels in love with Dolores. So if he did end up back in Ghost Nation at some point between the la- in the last 30 years, is he trying to get back to, like whatever they're this area the, on the other side of the river that they are getting to now. Yes. Could be. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens when William Dolores finally reach their destination or fail to reach it. Whatever happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Bernard is trying to call Elsie, but it goes directly to voicemail. He searches for her on, um, on like the locator on his tablet, but it says that it's unable to locate her. Uh, and then he and Colin are speaking in the hallway and she asks if there was something that he wanted to tell her before he left abruptly the night before. And of course he left her room when Elsie called and told him that she was in fact behind the theft of the data that they had been, um, investigating um and he says no he doesn't have anything further to tell him and then um she she says that hale is looking over every department and bernard's is behind and then starts to like lecture him on the fact that he wouldn't be behind if his department spent less time um second guessing her department and more time doing their own work and then bernard says very firmly that that's all over now And that was the only line that made me second guess my suspicion that Elsie is in fact taken by, you know, someone on the board end of things. I mean. Right. This isn't the first time. Bernard took her. Right. I don't know. Like it, it, this isn't the first time that Bernard has told Cullen that yes, the investigation is over and no, we're not looking into it any further. And meanwhile, of course, Elsie is still looking into it, (laughs) but this line felt a little different to me. I can't really put my finger on why. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, maybe it is not in there in Ford's interest to have, you know, this huge expose done on the board, shipping the information out. And so he just took care of it with Bernard. Um, He already knows about it, but he just can't have others discover it because it's, you know, not what he needs everything to stay as it is kind of thing and status quo. Right. I did wonder, too, um, like Ford isn't going to live forever. Right. He's he I mean, unless he intends to live forever as a host, but it did make me think, you know, um, what are the long term plans here? He has this life's work. Uh, He snubbed his nose at Cullen when she raised the idea of 
of his legacy in an earlier episode. Yes. Albeit it was from the perspective of like the board is trying to preserve your legacy. And he was like, I call bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but even still, it did make me wonder like all of this information, all of these, um, the, this intellectual property would essentially like die with Ford. Um, which of course is why the board was trying to smuggle it all out in the first place. Because I have no, yeah. I, I don't believe for a minute that Ford would like not blow it all up with him, take it all with him or whatever. Um, yeah. So from the board's perspective, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Especially if they want to use what they, what Delos bought for who knows how much money and they want to be able to leverage it. Like, of course they do. <laughs> That's, you know, um, it's crazy how much they have to you know, include him or bow down to him or how much control he's retained, I guess, uh, even though his company is now managed by the board. So, yeah. Um, so Colin goes to Hale's room for a meeting. So this was quite the adventure. So <laughs> Hale, question mark. Um, she is like literally in the middle of having sex with Hector, which now we know where... Hector was commandeered to. Um, and she just, she really disarms Colin. Obviously, Colin tries to, like, keep herself as composed as possible here. But um, she's naked. She just shuts um, Hector down and they have a conversation. So she's extremely to the point with Colin. And we get a lot more of what Hale's, you know, business personality is like in this in this exchange between these two so she says you know she she says Colin's always done a good job and she was surprised by what's been happening so she talks about the woodcutter incident that a host slipped on a rock and bashed his own head in only you know feet from a behavior tech but like we know that that's not what happened what is your read on that? I was, I'm still confused by this one. I am too. The only thing that I could think of is that the official report that went up to the board um, hid some of the more, I don't know, alarming parts of the, of what actually happened, right? Which was, of course, that the host bashed its own head in. Um, and like to protect, I mean, it's there. So there's this device in that host and the device is put there by the board and Cullen. So this, the protocol of it bashing its head in, it leads me to believe that that's not related to the thing in its arm because I agree. if she's like, Oh, it, it executed its self preservation, you know, protocol or whatever that we had put in it. Um, and the fact that they haven't shared it makes it sound a lot more like, it was taking orders from elsewhere. I completely agree. Like, I think that there are two unrelated events happening. One is... With the same host, yeah. Yeah. One is the satellite, um, you know, uplink or whatever for the theft of the data. And the other is the um, the voice that is waking some of these hosts up, hosts up yeah. et cetera. And I don't think that they're necessarily related. And I don't think that um, Colin is aware of the extent of the voice aspect of what's going on. Right. Um, so then the other, she also mentions Ford using half the park's resources for his new narrative. 
And then they have a discussion as to why the board is really interested in the park. So they are only interested in the code. They don't care. The people who work at the park are nothing. Um, they don't care about the storylines or the hosts. Um, so here she mentions the research project that's brought up a few times that that's where the real value is. Um, but we really have no more insight into what that is. Right. It's just. No, I mean, you're right. We don't. So anything that we we say would just be speculation. But the term yeah. research project made me think that there is like a pilot phase that's going down in some way or, you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like just for exactly pure speculation, like I wonder if it's if it's. um you know, monetizing some sort of militaristic use. Of I definitely thought the same the thing hosts. that, you yeah. know, the hosts as weapon. Um, the only thing that made me second, second guess that a little bit is that, I mean, maybe this is just getting too um, detailed, but when she says they don't care about the hosts at all, they only care about the code. I mean, like to use the hosts as a weapon, wouldn't they want to just, I don't know, avoid the necessity yeah, of mean. rebuilding them all and i don't know um but yeah that definitely is where my mind went to also was that yeah. they could essentially have like super soldiers that were entirely under their command so then she says about the 35 years of information that's only in the park that it doesn't exist elsewhere because of ford um and so that they need cullen to get that information because they're going to force him into retirement. And Colin kind of asks about that. And she said, well, you, you have to ask him to step aside basically. Um, but that that's going to happen very soon that by the time the rest of the board arrives, they need to be on course for the transition. And then she says the gods need a blood sacrifice. Um, so, and that they need to demonstrate how dangerous Ford's creations can be. So the fact that Ford repeats that same kind of strange phrase at the end mm -hmm. is that because he was spying on this or yeah i did see this was not my original um theory but i did see it on reddit and thought that it was interesting that um my mind of course went to is hale a host um right you know because if uh he can kill and replace Teresa with a host then he could have potentially done the same thing already with with Hale like otherwise how would they know um that sentence but uh someone on reddit suggested that Hector being Hector? in the room yeah. would essentially act as a spying device for Ford all he has to do is just access um Hector's like data and he would have yeah. access to anything that was said in his presence or in any host's presence I was thinking that too. I mean, he, I think it's, you know, and especially the way he says it to Cullen. So he's been able to spy on her now for however long because of her affair with Bernard, which is incredibly personal. Mm -hmm. um, and her devastation when she finds that out is just incredibly well played. Yes. And then he's, you know, basically like I was, I'm always spying on you. Like it's uh, in my park. Someone is always watching. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Like, Exactly. And he can just, if there's a host there, and even if there's not, I mean, he just has, like he said, he it's his park. He knows how to listen to everything that's happening. So. Yes. Okay. And then it's also interesting to find out that the rest of the board is coming. Yes. Um, 
So, I mean, I feel like... Season finale. Oh, yeah, that's a good call for sure. Um, So if the board's intention is to force out Ford and Ford has no intention of going, then (laughs) is there going to be some kind of uh, culmination of events when they all arrive? Yeah, okay. So the only other thing, and then we can leave this scene. So she talks about how... Hale talks about how her predecessor really screwed up and didn't and let that happen that Ford has 35 years of data without um you know it being backed up anywhere else and I mean it's a long shot for sure but it definitely made me think back to like is the man in black on the board and like the different priorities of the board if the man in black is on the board then his whole thing is in the park right and Hale has indicated that they have much different plans um Anyway, I wondered if that was a specific allusion to someone that someone who was we managing the board before she came in right. is someone that we know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a really good point. And uh, I think that it very well could be. Why raise it, really, if it has no relevance for, you know, for, for any other plot line? Um, I do <laughs> that's think... the reason why our... Sorry? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, there's a reason why our recaps are two hours long. is because every single sentence said <laughs> some sort of free course. It's so true. <laughs> um, and this uh, this episode made me rethink uh, a little bit the man in black as board member. Um, yeah. Because we did talk in the past about the fact that if the man in ba- black is, in fact, William, and if William's company slash Logan's... Uh, did buy out the park after their visit. I mean, that's been heavily implied at this point, I think. We did say it would make sense that the Man in Black is a board member, but it really seems like the board has completely different objectives than the Man in Black's own personal um, journey on this maze quest. So I'm not sure how I feel anymore about the Man in Black being, you know, in... Yes, in line with the board. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so Maeve wakes up for a new day. She arrives at the saloon. She is um, obviously not taking the news of her own robotness super well. She is. Uh, she slams down the piano uh, cover. She doesn't want to hear the music anymore. Yeah, like she remembers that all of this shit is on a 24-hour loop. I thought that was amazing of being like, imagine how boring and annoying it would be. It's it's Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, really. Yes. But like every morning she walks in the saloon and the same player piano music is playing. And she like, is like, enough. Yep, done with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Clementine joins her at the bar and she yawns as she usually does. And Maeve starts to to give like her scripted response um, that she would always say at this point in the day. And then she realizes that what she's saying is scripted. Like she seems to yeah. sort of pause and rethink what she's saying and then asks a different question. Um, so she asks Clementine what her nightmares are about. And then we get this um, really sad backstory from Clementine that we've yeah. never heard before. Uh, so it's just that, I guess, in the absence of someone asking, there wasn't a reason for her to talk about this. But she has a yeah. family back on a farm where the soil is no good. And she's so she's working at the Mariposa in order to send them back money. And eventually she plans to move them out of the desert and they'll have this beautiful life together. 
And Maeve is so sad by this whole story because, of course, she knows that that's never going to happen. She knows that that that's all programming at this point. Um, So suddenly, all the hosts except Maeve freeze. (laughs) This was amazing. So, like, to have her aware and unaffected by... Um, the lab techs that are entering the park and have frozen everyone. Um, and then she kind of plays possum at the at the bar, but grabs a knife just in case because she hears the lab tech saying, you know, it's the one by the bar. Um, and then, of course, they get Clementine instead. Clementine. Uh, so we know now who the unexpected host is going to be for the Hale and Cullen demonstration and poor clementine she she does not fare well in this episode and no yeah no 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 so Maeve definitely looks sad and concerned as they lead clementine away but then she like has this resolve come across her face and she's pissed yeah yeah so do you think that um it is the increase in her intelligence that has resulted in not being impacted anymore by this freeze command or is all sort of part and parcel for her awakening in general yeah i was thinking i was thinking that too i think i feel like it is more related to the other the part of her being able to wake herself up and you know we're not be stuck in her loop anymore but her increased intelligence is in how she handles it and that she knows you know, to act like it. She figures out immediately what's going on. There's no confusion. Like in her first couple episodes as she was still getting used to it too, right? She was, if anybody had been watching closely, they would have noticed that she was behaving strangely. And yeah. instead, now she's very good at, yeah. Although how she was going to get out of that scene with like a knife, I mean, I don't know. But um, but yeah, it is crazy. I mean, Maeve is going to be a big problem here yes. for them. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I so sorry when the um when the series started, I mean, it was obviously Dolores that was the major focal point in terms of the host not acting as it was intended to act and this awakening was coming over her and she was hearing this voice and everything. Um and of course, we're still getting that for Dolores somewhat, but um she's more her storyline is more preoccupied now with her Maze search. So I'm finding yes. um, Maeve's storyline really compelling in that she isn't off anywhere on a hunt for this, like, elusive maze. She is just living in her loop every day still and coping with that in this really interesting way where she's gaining more and more information she's getting more and more powerful she is you know she is more than Dolores now really informed about what is happening in her life totally um so is Arnold talking to her like she's not hearing any voice though right not that we have heard I don't think and it doesn't seem like everybody else who hears it that we know of references it. I mean, it's like she was given the um, Violent Delights line, but she has since then 
all of this seems to have happened independently and she's not talking about a voice that's telling her what to do. She's really just working through it. Um, so I know that we've talked in the past about the differences between the original hosts and the potentially more updated ones. So when we had talked in the last episode, I think that it was like we had talked about that um, the original hosts have some hardware that, you know, some like leftover hardware that would make them like remind remind me that of that. Well, yeah, they have the, if they were being broadcast too, which is what Elsie had said. Yes, only thank certain you. ones of them could receive. Yeah. Right. So and then we had talked about the fact that despite the fact that we don't think Maeve is an original host, that it was this violent delights and violent ends code word, code phrase that woke Maeve up. So do you think that the difference is that Maeve is newer and Dolores is an old host that has this broadcasting capability? I wonder if it's almost more than that, though. Like, I feel that Ford does not know about Maeve, whereas he knows that the others are being talked to by Arnold. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like she's about to try and make a break for it out of the, um, you know, the building. And, and even the way he talks about hosts in that final scene where they can't feel shame or pity or like all of the things he lists off um he has not seen what Maeve is doing you know uh and he should be very afraid of what Bernard is going to be capable of when you put like he doesn't think he's Bernard is a faithful and loyal servant to him Mm -hmm. you know um and I think he doesn't understand yeah what Maeve has become right I mean, that's fair. And it's interesting, too, that despite the fact that the changes that they made were very obvious when they did this demonstration that allowed Clementine to defend herself and, um, you know, harm another host and ignore the freeze command from Stubbs, um, despite the fact that the change in code was obvious, they were still able to change the code to allow her yes. to do these things. Now, we we did see her attack another host. I don't know if she would have had the capability of attacking a human in that same demonstration. But to Stubbs' point in a previous episode when he was talking to Elsie, it's only a single line of code that is, you know, pre- preventing right. these hosts from, um, you know, from killing them all. So... Uh, So, yeah, it seems as if even an unskilled coder in the QA team was able to make significant changes, though not without leaving a a trail. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, so we are back on the train and we're in a conversation between Dolores and William. So, um, you know, there's a lot of these conversations about where they want to be and where what they're looking for. So she um, is talking about the place that she's looking for. He asks her how she knows it exists. She says she doesn't, but she's never going to go back to her old life. And then she asks him what he's looking for. So he says that line about that he used to live in books because that's the only place where he thought things had meanings and that this is, it feels like he's woken up in one of his books Mm -hmm. and he wants to know what that means. Um, 
and Dolores, this kind of comes up a couple of times. She's like, she doesn't want to be in a story. She just wants to live in the moment. Yeah. And he says that, he referenced that, is that later too in another place where he's like, everybody's here for excitement and adventure and you just want to, you know, exist. Like they come from such opposite sides of what they want here. Um, yeah. But of course, I think the point is that William's life has never been... Um, rewarding or exciting or anything, right? He's always been looking for that in fiction, and now he's living what he feels is real, um, and he's really enjoying it. Um, so he's then breaks it to her that he has a fiance Juliet back home, and that her dad is who owns the company that they work for, which we had put that together, um, and that he has to go back to her, so he'll help the her find the place she's looking for but he can't stay because of this life waiting for him so Dolores leaves immediately from the one train car and goes into another and so I found this like reversal just so interesting so she runs away he runs out there's a scene between train cars where he almost hesitates and then he kind of jumps to the next train car and then he's like completely different like he's completely changed his mind right in the in the Um, course of 20 seconds he's like um, yeah. I never felt this way before. I want to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why make that like, whole speech then? <laughs> I know. They just seem so close together. Like, is it just that her reaction, like, was he testing her? And the fact that she's upset, he takes that as, you know, a positive indicator. And so then he says what he really thinks. Like, I just really yeah. kind of took it as if, um, you know, the, the conversation that William was having with Dolores about how he has this woman to go back to and whatever. I honestly think that that was maybe just William being the the real world William, where he's pretending and he's the good guy and he's doing what he's supposed to do in this sort of very um, plotted out life that he's leading and William in the other in the next car was the William of the park who was just saying fuck it I'm gonna just go for it (laughs) and do what I want to do yeah no absolutely good point and they did then they have sex sorry Teddy although Teddy's now like a bad guy I know he's evil now um On an interesting uh, side note, uh, I don't know if there was anything that I missed, but I don't think that there were any scenes of Dolores by herself in this episode where there was the question of whether or not, is this Dolores with William or is this potentially Dolores in an alternate timeline? So we did see that in the past couple of episodes, we saw Dolores at the graveyard alone and then... Dolores there with William and Logan and we saw Dolores in the train card with train car with Lawrence and William and then we saw Dolores by herself so there was definitely over the past couple of episodes the um the really strong implication that we're seeing seeing the same thing twice once with William and once alone um but I didn't catch any of those types of scenes in this episode did you no, I agree. I was kind of looking for the same thing just to see. And, and if there were, I did not pick up on them. Please send your feedback to kgreek.com/feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Point out where we missed that. But no, at least not in any kind of... The other ones have been so obvious. Yes. And um, even there's even yeah. less less obvious um, 
examples. For instance, as Dolores is walking through Pariah, um, when she's with Logan and William, even when she's in the shots with them, she's always walking a few steps behind or a few steps ahead. Um, so then when we do get shots of Dolores by herself, the viewers then thinking, okay, well, is this just... Uh, you know, she, is this yeah. a zoomed in shot and William and Logan are just steps away from her? Or is this, in fact, her there by herself? There was always that little bit of trickery um, that made you question when this might be happening. But, yeah, nothing like that in this episode. It was all strictly William time. Relationship building. That's right. Yeah. Um. So the next scene is the one that we've talked about a little bit already, which is the demonstration. So Ford and Bernard have been called in um, by Colin and Hale, where they have said that QA has found issues in the last update, which is the one with the reveries, and they've uncovered some findings. So they're demonstrating with Clementine in a heart-wrenching, like demonstration oh, woof, this was hard to it watch. was very Absolutely. hard to watch so clementine is awoken and a man who we now know is a host but at the time of first viewing the viewer didn't know this was a host who just starts pummeling her and Ugh. she is crying and begging for help and not defending herself in any way um and then Stubbs tells them to freeze. The man freezes also, which is the viewer's first indication that he is in fact a host. And this is where Colin explains that this is a host who is flagged to read as human. So our, uh, a little nugget there, which we'll see with Bernard at the end, obviously. Um, so Clementine is reset and her memory is wiped. And it is it is really heartbreaking to watch her sit on the chair with like blood running out of her nose and tears still streaming yeah. by her face and for her to just put on this smile again it was like hard to watch yeah um so Colin says that the reveries made it so that the hosts weren't resetting properly and this resulted in like an overload in their system that allowed them to act on experiences that they were remembering i think i'm kind of summing that up to the best of my ability. Yeah, I thought just like how overly complicated the explanation yeah, was was intentional. I know. You know, like it's just such utter bullshit. Like I was watching this being like, there's there is no way that they're gonna buy this. You know, yeah. it's like a watching a demonstration that's been faked on like demo day or something. <laughs> like it was just such Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it like, was, I mean like, like who who thought that they were going to be able to Fool the, fool the programmers using programming like it just I know. it's foolhardy and that made me think that like maybe Hale is I know is, is not being forthright um I don't know because I know that this was Hale's grand idea but maybe it was a setup for Colin all along I don't know it does seem strange there's something very weird about the whole thing and um yeah, Hale seems so clever and manipulative that for her to come up with this plan that's just so poorly thought through. Yeah. Um, but maybe that is the point. I don't know. Right. Um, so Hale tells Bernard that he's been negligent. Ultimately, the reveries, which in a previous episode Bernard took um, ownership of, 
right? Like, he didn't claim to have written them, but he also didn't correct Cullen uh, when the updates went wrong. Um, So ultimately, Hale is holding him responsible unless there's anything he wants to tell them about his culpability. So it's pretty clear that everyone knows that Ford is responsible for writing this code. Um, And of course, not knowing at the time, at least for sure, that Bernard is in fact a host. You're watching this while Bernard is being fired looking at Ford and Ford is just standing there saying nothing that you're like oh that's cold Ford I uh I tweeted out like what is that because there's like a zoom in on his face at the end of the scene I was like what does that mean and somebody replied they're like Hannibal Lecter is about to appear on Westworld (laughs) and he did at the end of (laughs) this episode right like you can never trust Anthony Hopkins I mean he's just absolutely incredible but man terrifying terrifying yeah but i know it just is like now i know his face is like you just fired my robot dumbasses right <laughs> like nice try better luck next yeah. time yeah you're all robots the end okay just on a quick Credits. side note although we said it jokingly and not with an actual theory attached but we definitely said in our last episode what if everyone are hosts and they just don't know it and that might have turned out to be our best theory. More yet. likely, I agree. <laughs> it seemed an episode ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm getting all the William and Dolores scenes here. So William and Dolores, <laughs> again, after sexy train time. Uh, so Dolores is sketching on like a... piece of canvas or something yeah there's like random things in this train like this giant chandelier is like (laughs) behind them and stuff yeah um so she says i thought you you know i didn't want to wake you i thought you might regret it and he says he doesn't uh his fiance back home feels really unreal to him now which that is not unreal that is real but anyway um and he said, I used to think this place was about pandering to your baser instincts, but now it's, I know that it shows you who you truly are. So, I mean, I think this, every scene we've been seeing more and more, I'm like, yeah, that's the man in black. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's just like underlined heavily double italics. It just everything he's been saying in this transition. I can't remember if it's this scene or maybe it was the past scene that we've already covered that where he was talking about the books or whatever. Maybe it is, in fact, this one where he was like, I just want to find out what the meaning is of this place. And then yeah. I was like, I don't feel like there's a more obvious hint that could be given that would that would like link him <laughs> yeah. to the man in black. Because, of course, that's his whole quest as the as the man in black. So um, yeah. it could be a matter of me just looking for those clues. But I don't think so. I think that that was a. No, I think they're pretty... dropping them hard and heavy at this point. Yeah, I agree. So agreed. Um, like he, and then he says the, he's been waiting a long time to see that face of when they left Logan. Um, and he's never felt with any woman the way he feels with Dolores, which we talked about earlier. Problem being that she is not a woman. Right. But maybe for all intents and purposes she is. Maybe it doesn't matter, but. Can I tell you a quick side note? Um, I do not have all of these details. I literally just read. I read it on a Reddit post. Um, So this is not a spoiler because it was a scene that was cut from an episode that's already happened. But FYI, if you don't want to hear about this revealing cut scene, then close your ears for the next 15 seconds. But I just read um, on Reddit that there's an Entertainment Weekly 
article, which I have not seen yet. I am an Entertainment Weekly subscriber, but haven't seen this one just yet, so I'll have to be on the lookout for it, Um, where Jonathan Nolan mentioned that there was a scene cut from uh, the... Uh, the episode where Ford and Cullen have their have their meeting in the park, right. uh, where it was revealed that Ford was once married or engaged to be married, and his wife wanted children, but that he didn't because the park and the hosts were his children. So I felt like that implied that the marriage might have ended badly, and knowing that Arnold created hosts in the image of all of Ford's family... Interesting. I think that it would probably reason that mm. he might have created a host in the image of Ford's wife. And wife. you had already raised the idea that Dolores was made in someone's image. So I think that that, you know, might, Interesting. might reason. Yeah. Um, we shall see. So we shall see. Quick little nugget there. Exactly. So the scene is abruptly comes to a halt when the train slams on its train brakes and there's boulders on the tracks. And at first they think it might be the Ghost Nation, but it's the Confederados. So um, the Gatling gun is back and they open fire on the train. And then the train, one of the train like holds opens and a horse comes out with a rider with a white flag. And of course, this is the body that's been filled with nitro <laughs> a la Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I think I tweeted. Yeah. Uh, and the the Confederate the faces on the Confederados when they're like what <laughs> this guy doesn't look right, um, so Lawrence shoots the body which explodes and that gives them the opportunity to escape on horseback with the Confederados chasing them, which then leads to the the Ghost Nation people arriving which turns into a real Wild West, you know battle scene here. Yeah. Um, and luckily, the infighting between those two groups kind of allows William and Dolores and Lawrence to make their escape. So they get to a cliff, which turns out to be the landscape that Dolores drew. And she says the place she's been dreaming of is real. Yes, because she thought where... that she was um, when when we saw that landscape on the canvas and William's like, what's that? She says, I've always been copying, you know, existing landscapes when I do my painting but this time I wanted to do something new so she's thinking that she's like drawing this from her imagination and it turns out to be exactly where they're going because you're a computer right because Um, she's been here before but then okay so if we talk about the multiple timelines okay so if she is here with William and then she's retracing her steps in a later timeline. Now. Yeah. Um, then how does she have a memory when she's with William? I think it's where Arnold died. Yeah. Okay. So like Arnold died 35 years ago. Memory wiped. Ends up remembering it. Is back there again. Memory will be wiped again. Remembers it today, right? So I'm I I remember asking the question in a previous podcast that I was like, okay, so if Bernard is Arnold, Bernard is telling Dolores thirty five years ago in this room in their like <clears throat> secret meetings, you know, that I want you to play this game. It's called the maze. I want you to search for it or whatever. And then I was like, so what happens? She doesn't search for it until five years later, um, right? But okay, so. 
Bernard as Arnold says, go look for the maze. She goes to look for the maze 35 years ago. She gets at least as far as where she is with William now, but then whatever happens, memory is wiped, goes back to where Loop is now doing it again with William, say, five years later. Whatever happens, goes back to where Loop, memory is wiped, and now doing it at least a third time more recently in the present day timeline, we assume, that includes the Man in Black. Right. Arguably because these violent delights came out. Right. Okay, just getting it yeah. straight in my brain. <laughs> uh, so that really ends with Lawrence says you can come to the front, but William and Dolores, that was never why they joined. That was uh, Logan's desire, so he's not with them anymore. So they want to go to explore this place that she remembers. And he says that it's unclaimed territory. No one has ever come back from there. Except, as we just discussed, potentially Dolores from, <laughs> from well, and five Lawrence years is a robot, earlier. So whatever, whatever he says is not like the most reliable thing either. So What? An unreliable storyteller sure. in Westworld? Exactly. <laughs> it's right. Um, so we're back with Maeve. She's on the table in the butcher shop. Felix and another butcher are working on her. Uh, and she is fully conscious with her eyes closed as we um, are made aware when she grabs Felix's arm to, like, hurry him up. So uh, <laughs> Felix says that he's going to finish up on his own to get her alone. And then, like, in this room with nothing but glass walls, she just sits up and they have a full conversation. Like, this other butcher is barely one foot out the door. I'm like, I, know. I don't know how they're getting away with this, but whatever. Um so Maeve wants to know where Clementine is. Um, Felix tells her she needs to be more careful. It's she's It's been less than 24 hours since the last time she died and came down to the, to the lab. So someone's going to notice if she keeps coming with this much frequency. But um, she's obviously there to find out what happened to Clementine after she was taken by the lab techs in the earlier scene. Um, so Felix checks the tablet and sees that she's in the building. So Maeve is, Maeve is pretty threatening in her insistence that he take her there right now. Yeah. And, uh, and then they, they go upstairs. Well, at least they go to a different area where they see in another glass room where Sylvester is in the process of lobotomizing Clementine, very similarly to what we saw was done to Peter Abernathy when he was decommissioned in episode one. Um, so it was like the drill up the nose lobotomy. Yeah. So um, in the demonstration scene with Hale, Hale had uh, had told Bernard that although it wouldn't be him because he is fired, um, their course of action would potentially be to lobotomize all of the hosts and build them from the yes. ground up. Um as a result of, you know, these updates gone bad or whatever. So I guess what I'm wondering is, like, what do you think the lobotomy does? It obviously doesn't make them beyond repair because, as Hale suggested, they could do it to all of them and then rebuild them. So does it essentially just, like, erase the many thousands of hours that Felix had mentioned are put into, like, creating a host's personality? That's totally what I think. Yeah. That the fact that they don't get rid of all of that because it's so much work, um, this would get rid of it all. And this is why, you know, Bernard is really taken aback because of just the sheer amount of work it represents if they had to redo everybody. 
Um, because you then have nothing to build on top of. You have to start from scratch. Right. Um, interesting, too, as a quick reminder slash side note, when Peter Abernathy was lobotomized and then decommissioned, we still have that unexplained whispering that Bernard whispers in Peter Abernathy's ear when he right. uh, when he is put into cold storage. Now And his emotional face. Yes, too. yeah. Yeah. Um, so now knowing that Bernard is a host, does that give you any ideas of what kind of conversation might have taken place there? Or I guess it was a one-way conversation, like what Bernard might have said to Peter Abernathy or still nothing. I have no idea. Do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was le- ah. that was legitimately yeah, a like, question on my because I have no idea. <clears throat> I know. I mean, there's definitely the theory that he could have said things that would be very un-Bernard because Ford made him do it and he doesn't remember doing it. Right. You know what would be very interesting is that if all of the hosts from Cold Storage could be woken up and, like, they have, like, an army in the building. Yeah. Like, if Maeve got herself sent to Cold Storage. Yeah, and, like, got everybody riled up. Whoa. Take it down from the inside. Um, okay. Yes, so we see Clementine being lobotomized. Um, Colin is supervising. So although Sylvester hesitates slightly when he sees that Maeve is looking on from the hallway, he just uh, carries on. And then Bernard comes in to ask Colin for a word, and they just pass by Maeve in the hallway without giving her a second glance. But she gives him, uh, you know, a look mm-hmm. as they pass. Uh, probably nothing, but yeah, she's definitely like sizing everybody up. Um, so in the meantime, there is a scene with Bernard and Colin. And I just, when I watched this the first time live on last night, I was like, yes, like all of these things were said that were just like so exposition-y. And I was like, ah, reassuring. And of course it led <laughs> to this like crazy ending. But basically he says to her, I know the test was a scam. Like he doesn't even... You know, mince word. It was clumsy to the point where I was embarrassed for you. Um, there were obvious markers. And he says that if you had people who were good at code, they would work for me, which I thought was a really good point. Um, totally true. Yeah, exactly. So as discussed, we don't really know if that was intentionally that bad or it really was just that bad. Um, and then he confronts her that he knows that her people were responsible for the satellite transmission and the stray um and he's basically coming to her as if he's like sharing the information he has and that they need to kind of partner up and they can trust each other again um and he says that 40 years ago ford's partner wrote half the code and they don't understand how it works and he thinks there's something wrong and that there's a connection between memory and improvisation um and that out of repetition comes variation and that the hosts are varying and that they're on the verge of some kind of change. Um, and then he says he needs to show her something and he is going to take her um, to that Sector 17 in the park. So so I watched this with closed captioning on just to be sure. But he's using past tense, right? He's So he's saying 40 years ago, Ford's partner um, created the code. They don't know how it worked. They, they still don't know how it works. But he says the host's were varying the hosts 
were on the verge of some kind of change. Um, and so although I think that those words are true in the present yeah. as well, I, th- I think that he is referring to the hosts as they were back in Arnold's day. So knowing that this is all language that like, or, you know, orchestrated by Ford, is there anything in what he's saying there? From that perspective? I think that there, well, I mean, I guess like at a relatively high level without going through the rabbit hole of what Ford might have intended by um, relaying this information. I just think that that makes sense. Um, we, we know if Bernard is Arnold and if these meetings that are taking place with Dolores are happening when Arnold is human, then Dolores was on the verge of an awakening at that point as well. Like it would... Um, reason I think that Dolores might have been the first but Dolores was not the only one to have had a similar type of awakening just like is the case in present day right so perhaps there was some kind of contagion back then as well and that um, the hosts were on the verge of some kind of awakening and maybe it was Ford who shut it down because Arnold wanted that to happen, right. right? He was fostering it in Dolores. We know that he's the one who was really on board for host consciousness. Um, and Ford was the one who was opposed. So I, I, I totally mean, agree. Like, I really feel that Ford is still in the place where he is the Lord and God over top of these hosts, where he decides what emotions they feel, what actions they take. He's very proud of that, that this is his world. And that's what I mean when I say, like, I don't think he knows about Maeve because what she is doing is much more in the direction that Arnold wanted them to go, to think and feel Mm -hmm. for themselves, to want to leave this world, to no longer be content, you know, to feel shame and, um, like, you know, emotions with Clem and all of those things. So in, like, following that train of thought, we have Ford, an unreliable storyteller, (laughs) telling us that... Arnold died and it was ruled an accident. But in his conversation to Bernard, he employed he he implied that it was suicide. But could it be that Ford killed him to um Well to Colin avoid... asks him that, right? Um yeah, yeah, of course. When he says when she says, Did you have Bernard lead him out into the woods? Yeah. Um well Ford doesn't answer the question, no. but what do, what do you think of that question? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's a lot more likely that that's what he did now, uh, yeah. knowing how brutal he really is. Or I still think it's, like, perhaps that something unintended went wrong with Arnold's efforts to create consciousness. You know, if he was mm-hmm. ultimately successful um, in someone like Dolores, if there's, like, a breakthrough before she ends up getting pulled back, um, did that lead to her accidentally killing him or something? You know what I mean? Like, there's... With with the ability to give these guys the you know the ability to think and talk and move on their own comes this enhanced risk and did he pay the price for that? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So Maeve is back in the butcher shop. Uh, she looks stunned after having just witnessed Clementine be lobotomized. Um, so Sylvester tells. Maeve that he didn't want to retire Clementine but if he didn't do it then somebody else would have and then they would have just been suspicious of him so he says I really did this for you Maeve um 
like not good reasoning, Sylvester. Absolutely. Uh, she, she is not buying it. Um, she says, well, time for you to do one more thing for me. I've lived in, you know, I've always thought of myself as a survivor, but I've come to realize that surviving is just another loop. Um, so she wants out and she wants Felix and Sylvester to help her. So tell me what you think that you mean by that Sylvester meant by this line when he says that every part of the building, including the skin on her back, was is made to keep her there and that it would be a suicide mission. Yeah, I was wondering that, too. I mean, I was like, is there a literal, you know, thing built into them that would prevent them from being able to be to leave? I mean, there must be intense security when you come in and out of that place. Right. Um Maybe like tracking, tracking devices under the skin. Yeah, exactly. Like some sort of, I mean, it's in a remote place. They come in and out. The intellectual property value of this stuff would be unbelievably huge, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, the, old, the the board is trying to smuggle this stuff out. Like it's incredibly valuable. So yes, that there's some, there's a lot more in place than we have seen as in terms of how you would be able to actually escape it. Right. Um, so an amazing scene here by Fanny Newton. Uh, she is, uh, Maeve is not deterred. Uh, she is not scared of death. She says she's died a million times and she's fucking great at it. And then asks Sylvester, how many times have you died? Because if you don't help me, I will kill you. And so do you believe now, like we did ask in the last podcast, if we believed her when she threatened Sylvester and said that, um, Felix had altered her programming so that she is able to hurt him and at the time we were like i think maybe she was bluffing but do you believe her now yes completely me too yes i loved this scene i loved how this was written and i think it's funny because you know we started westworld um and you and i have both seen the show humans as well and (coughs) sorry we we started by talking about the morality that it presents, and then this show didn't really go in that direction. You know, it's gone much more in the, like, cloak and dagger, what's happening, mystery kind of Twisty turny. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and here, I think we went back in a big way to the question of who is in charge? I mean, she's like, she says, I used to think of you guys as gods, and now I realize you're just men. Like, who's in charge when you have a robot that can be constantly brought back to life? Um who is now smarter than the like the humans that created it uh, because mm-hmm. they created it that way, right? Um, and yes, who is immortal? Like who's the god now? It sure as hell sounds like it's the robot. Um, right. So what have you done when you create that? And when you talk about a world that would be like run by artificial intelligence, I mean, this is why great minds in our world including Stephen Hawking warn of the dangers of artificial intelligence it's like this is a you know a tiny version of it but this idea that the it becomes smarter than you and then it acts on its own accord and it becomes self-preservationist and you're fucked like how are they gonna stop her now like exactly uh, and and I think that the question is raised to the um as uh Maeve becomes more and more aware and she has fewer and fewer restrictions in terms of programming that a host has. Um, you know, at what point can we declare her sentient? That's right. 
um, you know, because there is so little separating the humans from the robots. They are living flesh and blood, and the only difference is their mind. And the mind can be controlled if you're a host. But if the one and only difference, uh, you know, aside from the fact that they were created, not born, etc. But like, if the only physical difference between them is that they have a mind that can be controlled, and hers cannot be controlled any longer, then what really is the difference between the two of them, except, you know, that she has a greater processing power in her mind. And yes, I mean, I don't know. I don't know to what extent she would be completely immortal if she didn't have someone who was kind of bringing her back to life afterwards it sounds as if humans can do pretty much the same thing when horde when ford described true you that know, they don't it, die of stuff although yeah exactly i mean yeah colin died but <laughs> yeah. i guess but how long before I she guess... can create robots that can just fix her um, right. Yeah. That's that's true. I mean, uh, so yes, there is the question of like this um, artificial intelligence that is uh, becoming self-preserving and um, is going to act in its own interests. And then there's also the moral question of, you know, even if it even if it wasn't, if it is now self-aware and has no none of the programming restrictions. I mean, this has been the moral question all along. Should they really be treating these hosts in the way that they oh, do? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, but m- the the moral dilemma deepens when you see Maeve, who, for all intents and purposes, is human, and who who demonstrates such human emotions as well so it's not even that just that she's very very smart and calculating and cold i mean she's genuinely distraught by what happens to clementine you know she takes the risk of being discovered to get back there to find her to take them to her she is clearly you know heartbroken by what she's seen so you know those things combined i mean she seems to have empathy and caring like all of those things that we think differentiate ourselves too right that we have mm-hmm. feelings. Well, sure as hell seems like that robot has feelings too. Yeah. Right. We're fucked. So we're back with Colin and Bernard in this elevator that's going up like 85 floors. And Colin says, if this is a problem in the park, should we have security with us? Yep. Uh, yep, you should. <laughs> you really should. Bernard says, well, who would we trust? Which even when he said that, I was like, good point, Bernard. Because we do mm-hmm. not know... Who to trust? Well, you should not trust Bernard. Um, and she says she's not going to defend herself about her involvement in the data theft. She has to look after safeguarding the park's intellectual property. And she th- explains basically to Bernard what we've already you know, seen discussed with Hale, that Delos owns the mines, but Ford never allowed any of it to be backed off of, off site. Um, and then he says, well... Like, you think I would have let that happen? Um, <laughs> yes. And then he <laughs> says that line about... Oh, and she mentions, I guess, that the interests go beyond what the park is. Um, and he says the longer he works, you know, at Westworld, the more he thinks he understands the hosts and the humans confuse him. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. So, 
we arrive in the Sector 17 where the same, they go to the same house that we saw in the last episode with Ford's family. The cottage is in complete darkness and empty, so the hosts do not appear to be there anymore. And Cullen notes that, you know, I've never seen this building before and on any of the surveys. And Bernard says, well, the surveys are done by hosts and they're programmed not to see it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, yes. And then there's a great pan. So we see the wall with no door and Bernard looking around. And then Cullen says, well, what's through this door? And it pans back and the door has appeared. And Bernard says, what door? Right. And like I, that is just exactly where I was like, okay, <laughs> you're, yes. you're actually going to do so it. So good. Yeah. Can I just say too that I am an idiot because it didn't occur to me like when we had talked about the the fact that Bernard could have been a host in earlier podcasts and you had mentioned that like the hosts only see what they are supposed to see. So when Bernard is looking at that uh, photo with Ford and with Arnold and we're intending to interpret that as you know, this man in the picture is Arnold, but of course it's not. It's Ford's father host. I thought that what was being suggested was that Bernard was actually seeing a picture of himself and imposing just this other arbitrary person on top of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But in fact, that was a picture of three people, of Ford, of his father, and Bernard. I'm thinking, right? Right. And that what, what Bernard saw was a picture of two. two and people. he simply omitted totally. the picture of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like he didn't see the door, he didn't see himself. So what, yeah. Like that, the, there were people on Reddit who called that very early. Like I think the framing, uh, it was like the Ford's father was centered in right. the picture. So there was a gap on one side that I did not pick up, but. That all makes sense now. It sure does. Um, so they go through that door and they go downstairs and Bernard says it's a remote diagnostic facility and it's that these were kind of set up when the park was still in beta. And of course, we recognize that room as where the conversations between Dolores and Bernard, question mark, Arnold, have taken place. We've seen that room a few times, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and there's yeah. a host in the process of being built. So, uh, you know, Cullen points out immediately that this can't be legacy from when the park was in beta mode. These are new machines. Um, and Bernard says, yes, they're newer. They're slower than what we have in the lab, but a host could render in a few days. Uh, so Cullen comes to the scary conclusion that Ford could be making his own hosts and not telling anyone. So we've kind of touched on that. Um, yes. And then she goes through some paperwork. So we see the Robert prototype for the kid we see the dolores prototype um for dolores and then we see these plans for a host that looks like bernard although we don't see the name on it and mm -hmm. she shows it to him and he says it doesn't look like anything to me yep yeah yep. so ford says they comes in has entered the room and he says they can't see what what things that will hurt them uh and cullen just the actress who plays cullen i mean just phenomenal like from the moment she figures that out really when she pick, goes through those papers um mm -hmm. until her tragic end is just incredibly well done it's terrified and betrayed and i mean all of the things you'd be thinking right yes um absolutely 
so and and um the uh the reveal is to Cullen but also to, to Bernard. Bernard. Yeah. And um it was it was a really great scene as well to watch him come to terms with what it is that they were saying like Colin and Ford were not speaking to him and he is just witnessing this conversation and it's dawning on him what they're saying and he's trying to rationalize how he can't be a host because he was a father and he he has a wife etc that that was a great um a great scene. Well, very well acted as well. Yeah. I mean, the same kind of stuff we saw Maeve doing in the last episode. She's like, well, no, I came from, you know, this place and I have plans to do this. And it's like, nope. You know, finding out that your own memories are false is devastating. And right. he reacts until Ford tells him that's enough. And then he calms right down. Right. And he could, he could have... Um, found this out before. Like this might not be the first time. That's right. Like how many that Bernard is is finding out that he is a host. Yeah. But of course, he could find out over and over again and just have his memory wiped. Um. So then Ford launches into a speech that we've kind of talked about about consciousness is a weight and the hosts are spared it. Um, and then Collins tries to argue that. Um, Bernard is not under Ford's control because he brought her there and he says, yeah, that's because I asked him to, which is not good. Um, And then Colin still tries to stand up to him that he's done playing God and the board is going to, you know, side with her. Exactly. And he says the board will do nothing. So he says this is just another example of the board testing him um, and he's been through it before and this time they sent her. Um, did you take anything like from that? Um, I think that it's going to be relevant. Yeah. I just don't have any real ideas yet what, on, on what that means. Yeah. No. I know. Cause I'm like, I still can't figure out what the next play is, you know? Um, is it that Colin, even if Colin comes back as a host, as far as we know, Hale is still trying to get rid of Ford. So how does this work out where he's like, no, the Ford, the board is just kind of like testing me and it'll all be okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But the. Right. Exactly. Something is going to happen. I mean, like Bernard is now fired, right? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, maybe the Teresa host comes back and hires, hires Bernard back, but doesn't seem like she has the authority to do that. She doesn't have the Like Hale's the one running the show. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, there's something strange there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for Anthony Hopkins has that great, did you think I would let you take this place from me line. He's just so powerful as a freaky, <laughs> freaky guy. Um, yes. And that before things can be restored, the situation requires a blood sacrifice, calling back, of course, to that conversation earlier. Um, and Colin asks if this is what happened to Arnold and Ford says, you know, Bernard or yeah, Bernard wasn't around in those days. Were you Bernard? Where he just kind of gives like a furrowed brow in response. Um, And then Cullen is definitely freaked out and she tries to call for help, but it doesn't work. And Ford gives Bernard a voice command and he kills her. Yes, he does. And, um, yeah. So I saw this uh, suggested on Reddit also that um, 
way back and I think it was it must have been episode one when Bernard uh, is in an unrelated meeting with Colin and Colin is pissed and Bernard says can I record the furrow of your brow that like arches just so when you're angry Um, so this person was suggesting that Bernard has been um, mapping all of her gestures and characteristics um, that could make a flawless replica. Um, so do you think that that could be the case? And if so, does that mean that Cullen's murder has been planned since episode one? Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, it definitely feels if there is a host there being made and he brought her at this point, it certainly feels like it was kind of inevitable. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a really good point. Because they definitely, I mean, it was such a, such a moment, too, where it was called out. Uh, and yeah. it ends with Ford saying to Bernard that they have a lot to do on the new storylines, so they should get back. Ford puts his tie back on, or Bernard puts his tie back on, and yeah, the host continues yes. to be made with Cullen's dead body just left in that room. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, ice cold, Ford. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, so a lot, a lot happened in this episode. I, I'm excited to see how the last three pan out because, as I said at this at the top of the podcast, right? Like if they if they revealed this to us in episode seven. They they have to have some big reveals still up their sleeves for the remainder of the season, I would think. So Agreed. Evan Rachel I Wood has been tweeting a lot, and she had said that tonight's a, a bunch of the cast had said that episode seven was significant. Um, and then she tweeted at the end of it that you know there's a lot more to come. If you thought that that was crazy, basically. Uh, right. So and of course, we now know that there's going to be a season two. Yes. So more to come next year. Oh, no, wait. Year after. Oh, that's a long time. Uh, um, but at least it's coming back, which is a big relief because I did hear some speculation that um, not that it would be canceled by any means, but that ratings were not where they hoped they would be. Although I also heard that the ratings are very much on par with where Game of Thrones was in season one. And that one worked out okay. So <laughs> glad yeah, to hear they're sticking with it. It'll be interesting to it. see what they, yeah. I'm really interested to see how much season one wraps up in a neat little package. And they're very vague, but I did share the Entertainment Weekly article on our Twitter account, KG Recaps. Um, Cause they kind of reference the like, that they came to the head of HBO with kind of what the storyline would be for season two. Um, so, yes. you know, well, we know that they mapped out several years of the show, right. right? That was why the show was on, you know, hiatus for. Yeah. And they talk um, about a that significant period of time. Yeah. There was almost two years, I think between the shooting of the pilot and the remainder of the season, um, because they were mapping out everything that was going to happen in the season, in the series, I'm sorry, for like the first five, five seasons. Um, we shall see. So, yeah. So that is great news. Can't wait for next week. And, uh, we'll be chatting with you on Westworld next week. And the walking dead is, uh, also, a bit of a doozy this week. So we're going to be recapping that one and posting it tomorrow. Um, so 
if uh, if you are a Walking Dead fan, please come back and listen to us for that one also. Agreed. Um, yes, and if you are a listener, we would appreciate uh, if you could leave a review or a rating. That would be we would be very grateful. Um, and of course, if you have anything to say about our thoughts on this recap, we are at kjrecaps.com slash feedback. We have a form there that you can leave us your thoughts or find us on Facebook or Twitter. So with that, we will hang on to the edge of our seats until episode eight. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Absolutely. And thank you, Jess. Thank you, Kim. Okay. Chat soon. Bye. Bye.